This is Chris from Faces and Aces Las Vegas. And if you're listening to this, you've obviously got great taste because you're listening to Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone. Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louis Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we wanted to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. Hello, Louis. Hi, Lorraine. Um, we are quickly approaching the end of this totally BS here. Um, I actually heard someone the other day talking about how it's really funny how all of us are thinking like, oh, yeah, it's going to be the end of 2020. But in all honesty, like what's going to be the difference between December 31st and January 1st? I mean, it's very likely that we're still going to be in a pandemic. Um, Very likely. Very likely. But (laughs) we might have vaccines. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Like, obviously, there's going to be a change of, you know, presidents. So that hopefully will mean something good for us, um, for everyone. But uh, yeah, we are quickly approaching the end of 2020. Uh, We are going to be talking with this awesome young man, John Chow. He is the project director for LV Town Fridge. Um, I'm just so impressed with this young man. He's got it all going, uh, going for him. And he's helping the community, you know, just totally, you know, came up with this idea, executed it and was like, I'm doing this. Um, and because it's LV town fridge that we're talking about in pandemic provisions today, Louis, we are talking about our fridge staple items, our favorite fridge staple items. And I'm going to go ahead and start because I have a little show and tell of my own. Oh, desert bloom, Eagle. Desert bloom eggs. Eggs. Um, so, uh, I love eggs. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, hmm, maybe more than like almost anything except chocolate and coffee. Eggs is up there like in the top five of things that I love. Um, I love eggs like a crazy person. Like I will do scrambled. I will do omelets, obviously souffles, um, fried eggs, sunny side up over easy. Poached, I think is like my favorite. And Claudia's eggs are very special. You know, these are not the kinds of eggs that you just like get at Walmart that are probably like handled industrially. They're farm fresh. They're very farm fresh. They're they're chickens. They even have names for their chickens. So they love their chickens. Yep. And plenty of space to roam. We've been inside there. And each egg has been checked. Before before literally delivered to you. Literally. Literally. (laughs) Louis, what's your staple? My staple is chocolate milk. I love milk. <laughs> That's a staple. Chocolate milk is a staple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> chocolate milk. I love milk. But you know, like like you said, you love chocolate. It's there, right? Yeah. So for me, it's either chocolate milk or chocolate almond milk. Okay. Can't live without it. Even when I travel, the first thing I do is like I, I go to a little grocery and I have like a little... Uh, one of those silk things, silk almond milk, and yep. I stick it that into my hotel room fridge because um, I just like having almond milk. With it. It's your um, thing. It's my it's your thing. thing. It's my special thing. Or if not, um, chocolate milk from like a reputable dairy flock, like shamrock horns. 
actually. They're pretty good. Do you dip with the chocolate milk or just with milk? Like, do you dip cookies or dip anything in your chocolate milk? Have you tried Oreo and chocolate milk? Yes. Yes. It's pretty. It's chocolate. (laughs) Yeah. Double the level of chocolate there. But yeah, it's just. It's just my thing. So we're going to go ahead and move on to LV Townfridge with John Chow, where he will be talking about the things that they need in their fridge. Louis, today we are chatting with the project director of LV Townfridge. Mr. John Chow is with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Looks, uh, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with explaining exactly what LV Town Fridge is and how and why you got this started. It originally started off with, you know, okay, we'll first get one fridge in um, in the city and see how it goes. And then now we're beginning to see potential for a lot more fridges and a lot more interest in these fridges. That being said, these fridges are uh, just another way uh, it's, it's a community fridge. And so it is a fridge uh, serviced by the community for the community, allows uh, basically anyone, restaurants, other organizations, other nonprofits, uh, your neighbor, you yourself, anyone uh, to come in, donate some food uh, and let it, and then having other people come by and take that food. And how did you come up with the idea? At the beginning of the pandemic, I was in the middle of applying to med school and then I was getting a little bored and a little just, just like tired of writing these applications every day. And so I was like, hey, what is, what is something else I can do? And so I started volunteering at uh, the local food bank here, Three Square, um, and along with a couple of their other distributions around town. And... A common theme that I saw was despite the hundreds of cars slash families that were coming by to get this food, there was also a lot of leftover like bread, produce, just food uh, that the delivery drivers or that three square themselves couldn't bring back to the warehouse uh, Mm -hmm. just because it's been, yeah, it's like their own like regulations that they have in place. And so it kind of all clicked in my head one day because <clears throat> I was working in another distribution site at a church uh, down in Henderson. And then they get a new, sh- they rescue food from like grocery grocers. So like Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, uh, Sprouts, Walmart, these kind of places. And so they were bringing in an absurd amount of food every day. That being said, the people that they serve are not, they don't use that much food. So then it got to a point where I was, uh, and tasked with the job of like throwing away all the food that they didn't have. And I Ooh. like, and yeah, it was felt awful. That's a horrible job. Yeah. I, I was like wheeling out. I had to do multiple trips, like two shopping carts in hand, mm. each chip, each trip, uh, just of like perfectly good bread. Like maybe it was like a day old, but it was like, it's a day old. So like, it makes you feel sick, doesn't it? Yeah. Literally a dumpster full of bread. Not to mention all the produce and other stuff that some other volunteer was handling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, bread, pastries. It was Fourth of July weekend, so I just kept seeing it was like it was like it was mocking me, like these like <laughs> these like fruity colored uh, cookies and sugar cookies, just like getting thrown in the dumpster. And then so just when I was having these thoughts, uh, I started. I was on Instagram and saw that <clears throat> this concept of a community fridge, and then 
because I had some nonprofit experience or a lot of, a little bit of experience on the back end of a lot of these, you know, rescue operations or community gardens, like these, uh, uh, food justice efforts in LA as a result of my minor, I was able to see, or like think in my head that these efforts aren't, you know, based in rocket science and like scientific method. I mean, like not even to yeah. say it like that because you, there is a little bit of it in there just with everything, but it wasn't like I needed to, you know, muster up like thousands of dollars of, and then get an LLC and do all this other, uh, I don't know, like bureaucratic stuff to get one of these fridges up. We got a fridge from one of our volunteers or one of the volunteers. And then it became a matter of uh, seeing who was willing to host it. So I believe you have one on Main Street right now and one on Sweeney. Yes. So how do you come up with these locations and then how will you come up with locations in the future? So the Sweeney one is actually put on, it was a pre-existing fridge that I got to be acquainted with um, while researching whether Vegas had any of these fridges. Uh, and so we saw that, so her name is Kim Foster. She's like an angel. Yes. Uh, yeah. Love her. She's an amazing food writer. We've had her on the podcast. Heck yeah. No, she's amazing. I love, yeah. I was like read her, her thing and I was, I was blown away. I was like, it's yeah, so right? vivid. It was yeah. beautiful. Uh, but yeah, she, she had her fridge up and then I reached out to her like, Hey, this is great. Like what, you know, like, Oh, I'm thinking about putting up another one. And we got to talking. She gave me some recommendations, some tips. And then she's so generous. Yeah. Amazing. Like the, the way she like allots her time to everyone mm -hmm. is, 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 mm -hmm. is baffling. Anyways. Um, so I, it became a lot of outreach on my part at that end at that point. Uh, and so I was just driving out, uh, three, four times a week into like different businesses, a lot of cold calls. And then finally, and I was, the original premise was to get it in downtown because there's such like a high rate of food insecurity there. Mm -hmm. And then I started realizing driving around town, it was like the only thing going on in my head. Anytime I drove like this place, use a fridge, how, where could a fridge go in this place? And then, so I started realizing that the need for food exists basically everywhere. And although like the ideal location would have been downtown, like I was just like whatever location could have a community fridge. I think it would be good because of the bus routes, because of all, you know, just people's natural migratory patterns, I guess. Uh, but then luckily we were able to find a spot over at UMOC, United Movement of Organized Kindness, because I was volunteering there um, for another project. I was helping Food Not Bombs build mm -hmm. some huts, some of those homeless huts. Uh, and then from there it became of like, oh, you're, you're with the town fridge? Like, oh, do you want to talk to uh, Sophie, do you want to talk to Peter? Do you want to, let's see what they have to say about it. And then from there it was boom, 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 boom. Like all the red lights became green lights and then uh -huh. everything started like clicking into place. So you started just the middle of the summer, I think, right? In July. Yes. So how's it been going? You know, like what's, how, what's been your feedback? It's been amazing, honestly, because, um, uh, I thought it was just going to be mainly me continuing these like food like volunteering at these three bank sites, three square sites, and then dropping off the leftover food there. Like every, like whenever I do go out there, but the amount of support, the amount of people that were like really jiving with the idea just blew me away. So now we have like, 
like a lot of people like going over, going over there from like restaurants and food trucks um, to other nonprofits mm-hmm. um, to just like people in the area and other people driving like 30 minutes over there to, to drop off some food. And uh, what we saw in the first couple of weeks and even till now, but um, the fridge has an extremely high turnover rate. So like, let's say the fridge is full at 9 a.m. Um, everyone gets in there before nine and fills it up. And then by 9.30, 10 at tops, like it's empty or like already in the process of getting filled up for the next hour. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's crazy the amount of need that, uh, that exists on that street. I guess I'm just an optimist, but I just really do believe that everyone, if they have an opportunity to help or an opportunity that's, way, that's like an accessible way to help. Right. An right. easier way. An easier way because yeah. these food banks, they don't, they don't like take these, you know, they're not going to take your like sack of potatoes that you just right. bought on accident. Um, but this fridge will. And so right. I hear people like people message us uh, on Instagram. They're like, oh, thank you for the opportunity. Like, I think it's so great. Like, thank you for making it easier for us to help. Like it reflects on like how good I think the community is. The fact that like it's maintained and of course like the wind and some people will open the fridge from the other side. So like the insulation kind of like rips off, but then that's like, like we're going to get a new fridge. Like it's going to like, those are all like very small problems. And I have to like give credit to UMOC again because they're so like accommodating. They're like, oh yeah, like we'll just paint it up again. Like, oh, we'll just get a new fridge in there. And they've just been like on the dot, like ready like, oh, the city gave us a ticket. Oh, we'll fight it. Like, it's okay. And so it's amazing. And then I just always, I'm just like blown away. Um, that being said, I, when I do go down there and I get to talk to people, they're always like, oh, this is amazing. Like, but we want bananas. Not but, but like, oh, can we, you know, like, can people give us bananas? How about milk and stuff like this? And then you'll just see like a, like a really, like people are diverse. Like people are different. And so it's just nice seeing how like, they're all coming to the fridge because everyone needs food. Yeah, that's that's actually great. So I anybody can bring like donations and stuff like that, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Just like restaurants or food banks or whatever. Yeah, as long so, as uh the raw ingredients are always good except raw meat. Uh, but anything that's cooked, just ingredients need to be labeled and the date of input or like the date of cooking. Gotcha. So I can like show up there with like box meals and stuff and yeah, you know, ready to go. Yeah. Everything is kind of overseen by the, not kind of, but everything is overseen. Uh, all liability issues are like covered by this, like, uh, Bill Emerson, good Samaritan food donation act of like the 1980s. Okay. Uh, and yeah, we already, I spoke to the health district and then they were like, yeah, that's the look like you, you're good. Oh, wow. Good luck. Go forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. That's, that's the first time I I really like saw a green light from the health district just like that. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> usually they're they're very uh you know very picky and proddy with like yeah that's what I expected. I was even like kind of like scared to even call them or like email them at first. I was like, right? oh, are you sure? No. Like, can yeah. I get around it? <laughs> yeah, right. And then uh, literally, yeah, can I get around that? And then so I was just like, you know what? F it. Like, I'm gonna email them. And then gave him the premise of the idea and uh, boom, he's like, talk to my supervisor and, you know, some of my other coworkers, they love it. Like, best of luck. Like, you'll be good. Just let us know where they are and we'll let the health code people, like, just keep a lookout for them. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned bananas and milk. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other things, you know, like more specifically that you can think of that what we can bring to help? 
you know, I, I know or, anything, but it's like, are there certain things that maybe you need more of, or they need more of, or that you get requests for? Yeah. Uh, or is always, there like a list online that people uh, we have to? like food donation guidelines, but we don't have anything. Um, Cause I feel I'm always scared that if I put like an SOS and everyone's going to start donating. Right. Stuff. Exactly. And, and okay. so we want to keep it like diverse and we still want like variety in it. Um, but one thing that I do see, um, like a gentleman the other day was like, Hey man, just, can you give me, he gave me his phone number. And it's like, Hey, can you let me know at any time? Like you have eggs in there, just like frozen okay. eggs or like even like regular eggs. Um, other people, a nice woman, I came by with like some like salads from Cluckett farm, uh, like greens, fresh greens. And she was like, Oh yeah, thank you. I was, I just wanted to come by and like, see if there's anything healthy. So I found out that you worked as a farmhand in Japan yeah. <laughs> for worldwide what opportunities, kind of uh, worldwide opportunities in organic farming. Uh, Louis, that's the same organization that Desert Bloom works with to bring oh, their farmhands in. So it's pretty interesting. But um, go ahead and answer Louis's question. Like, what kind of farm was it? Like, what was it like? Kind of describe you your do? experience. Yeah. Uh, What's your job description as a farmhand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went out there for three months. It was kind of my thing. Like, oh. Uh, so I graduated and I've always been like, I don't know. I kind of, I like wandering. Like I don't like staying in a place for too long. And I'm not even thinking that now, but this fridge thing is kind of getting in there anyways. <laughs> so I went over to Japan just because I wanted to pay homage to my, like my late aunt and then like really kind of see the culture and like just be around that food culture, like that kind of like local production kind of a thing, small scale farming. And then, so I went over there. Um, I worked on a total of three farms during that three month stint. The mm. first farm I worked on, um, was in a small town in Shibetsu in Hokkaido. I think that's the name. I, that might be the name, but it was a, it was a dairy farm. And so okay. it was, in, so it was like middle of winter dairy farm. Um, and I, I mean, like I had no expectations, but like, I like, <laughs> it was, Needless to say, there was a lot of like cows and there's a lot of cow manure and <laughs> my tasks every day, like waking up 4 a.m. It's like dairy farms operate on 12 hours schedule, 12 hour shifts. I'd wake up in the morning at four, get in there by six, uh, I'll get in there by five and then plow, clean up all the cows, milk the cows and then be back in there like 12 We're hours We're talking later. about like a... a- a motorized like a milker right yeah yeah not like not not hand you said small farm so I, yeah you know, small I'm farm there was, i think there's like 30 40 cows over there that's but, still a uh, lot of milking yeah, yeah. a lot of milking <laughs> that's a lot yeah. of milking a lot of milking way more poo Oh, we more poo than milk <laughs> yeah oh uh, man but then yeah after that uh after that experience, I was like, okay, whatever this farm, like if this farm like puts me, you know, like picking up sand on the beach, I think I'll be okay. And then they were like, they blew my expectations away. Like it was amazing. Like it was just vegetable farming, applying fungicide onto, onto grape trees and uh, some like contracting work. It's just like everything, but that was amazing. Like even I talk about the cow experience, like kind of reservedly, but, um, it was amazing. Like it, it was probably still to this day, one of the most fun time experiences of my life. You've mentioned that you volunteer for three square food bank. And I know that you've worked with some nonprofits in Los Angeles as well. You also mentioned food, not bombs. So 
why have you made food insecurity your mission? Because it seems like there's a theme going on here. I don't know. Like growing up, I think food has always just been there for me. Uh, like my single mom, like made sure that there, at like the very least, there was like food at the table when I came back. And then as I got older, I originally like took that food studies minor thinking, you know, I was going to learn the chemical process behind like, I guess like the Myler reaction or like stuff like that. Like I thought I was going to be Alan Brown. Right. And I was, so I was like really excited. And the first class I think was just on like food injustice, and like food insecurity, um, food systems. And then it really dawn began to dawn on me just how messed up everything is and like where everything is going and then just the amount of waste there was and then going through all these farms and uh, nonprofits seeing how their whole like business model is just redistributing this waste so you're pretty fresh out of college and go mm. bruins by the way go bruins yeah UCLA. UCLA. Go bruins. <laughs> so you have a bs in physiological science and a minor in food studies as we mentioned so what are your career aspirations? Like, where is this all going to go? Because obviously you're getting a really, you're getting a great study of all kinds of food systems as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you th- talked about going to med school. So where's this all kind of headed for you? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I want to, I like, I'm trying to articulate it every day. Um, yeah. And especially to the med schools, which I don't think they're biting necessarily yet because I'm not really getting a lot of, uh, your backs. That's okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, I do think my dream is to just be a, I do want to be a doctor because I do like one of my first loves is like, like, I guess the human body and then just how complicated it, but how simple it is, like how it just like melds together, like everything works. And then, um, when it doesn't work, like what you can do to salvage it. And it just, for me, just like, it means like a sense of security, like for my family. And then also like knowing that I can help other people achieve that sense of security. And then not even saying like, Hey, you need to take this drug, drug ABC, and then we'll see you in like months. But like, you could take that, but this is also what you can do, you know, food as medicine, food Food as as medicine. medicine. Right. Exactly. And so hopefully the food thing plays into that. Hopefully. Oh, it uh, will. Yeah, right. It all will. Uh, it will. Hopefully the cellular agriculture thing can inform it more uh, in terms of like what kind of therapies, in terms of what kind of uh, like parenteral nutrition patients can get when they're, when they are in the hospital for extended periods of time. Like I hope, I don't know. I just, I think I see like the possibilities for both food and medicine and I just want to tackle both of them that being said i think when i'm tired of that i'm just going to retire to a farm and <laughs> seriously though med place. schools do you hear that um you yeah. have somebody that is looking at the bigger picture and we need more doctors like that let's move on to show and tell so john chow what do you got for us all right folks i have uh this book it's called the third plate by Dan Barber. You guys may or may not have Love heard Dan of Barber, yes. Mm-hmm. So this book was uh, prescribed to me, quote unquote, by this one <laughs> professor that I had in college. I think it was like maybe my second year in the minor. And until then, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm just learning, you know, like same as I've always done. It's like when I'm in an English class, I'm like reading like Shakespeare. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm learning, whatever. 
but then this book really like changed it for me because the way he like described the food system, the way he described the potential for uh, you know the future of food and where gastronomy can go when everyone is, is just practices just a little bit more mindfulness. Um, it just it, it spoke a lot to me, and it just. Yeah, from from that point on, after this book, it became like I, I think food became like it was like a reawakening of like wow, like this is like one of my things. Like I have friends who are like are artists and like friends who are like music musicians and in bands and they're getting featured on Apple Music. And I have artists who are like getting exhibitions and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, do I even have something like that? Like, because it's like medicine is cool and I love it, but like. It is, and it is one of my passions, but there's like something else that I know, like I felt was missing. And then for me, like this book just like showed me that like food is that thing, and it's always been that thing um, since I was a kid, like watching Dining Dragons and Dies, and like all this like Alan Brown and all that. So it was like it, it like clicked in my head, like boom. Okay, right. on the fly with John Chow of Las Vegas Town French, Louis. Go. Go. You're trilingual. What was the hardest to learn, Mandarin, Japanese, or English? Ooh, Japanese. Childhood food craving. <sighs> Soda. Favorite SoCal beach? <sighs> Roy Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Feel good music. Ooh. Uh, like uh like world music it's like that new it's like that genre on apple music it's like everything <gasps> best spot to hang out at ucla uh, jan steps yeah that's pretty awesome it's yeah, great it's view pretty, it's i'm gonna cool. go sculpture garden yeah oh uh, yeah fair fair you were probably a north campus major though that's why yeah more north yeah. campus Good place to travel and eat travel and eat japan we're gonna go. We're gonna yeah. keep going. Current food obsession. Oh my gosh, sandwiches. <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, I love I love making sandwiches. Best holiday side dish. Stuffing. One last question. One guilty pleasure. Soda. <laughs> yeah, like, me too. Yeah. Soda. What do you drink? Yeah. Right now I'm drinking those. Right now I'm drinking those sparkling waters. I'm drinking the ahas, but uh, Dr Pepper's there. We're gonna sell it for Las Vegas Town Fridge. So, how can people reach you? What do you need? That kind of thing. This is your time. <sighs> okay. Number one, uh, locations. So, if you're a business, if you're a nonprofit, if you're a school, if you are any place that has an accessible location, um, either inside or outside the property, and you want to host a fridge, uh, and you want you want to be another point of access for people, both people who want to donate and people who want to take from the fridge, uh, reach out lvtownfridge at gmail.com. Uh, you can try my mobile 702-885-4358. Leave a voicemail. I'll get back to you. Uh, or just find us on Instagram. Let me know. Um, everything else, it's pretty low maintenance. Like I don't need that much. Like I'll just like post updates on the fridge, and then everything else is a little bit of back end stuff. Like um, we're working with the city right now. So if anyone from the city is what listening, toss us a bone, maybe two. 
let us let us let us get through you um or work with you i should say so that being said no thank you guys i think that's that's all thank I you say. seriously yeah, thank you. you're a young treasure like you're you we're excited for your future and we really hope to be able to call you uh dr don Dr. John. Dr. Dr. John, John Chow. Yeah. Dr. Don Draper Chow. Yeah. <laughs> One day. Seriously. Uh, thank you for what you do for the community. It's awesome. No, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys giving uh, you know, these this this platform out and using it, using these platforms for, you know, showcasing parts of Vegas or people. I think I think people are our treasures, like you said. So mm-hmm. it's amazing. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs. That's with a number two on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week. <laughs>